Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown Series 3, Episode Number 3. I'm Jamie Ward and today we're back at Matrim HQ in Brentwood, Essex. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Super lightweight sensation Richardson Hitchens previews his September 23rd headline bout against Jose Cepeda. Cruiserweight King Jai Opataya reflects on the best thing to happen in boxing last week. John Ryder takes on the 12-round Eliminator Challenge quiz. Mike Costello recalls his first assignment with a certain smoking Joe Frazier. And Jamie Moore plots his dream dinner party lineup in Food Fight. All coming up on today's show, so don't go anywhere. So we're absolutely delighted now to be joined by 16-0 super lightweight sensation Richardson Hitchens for our In Focus interview this week. Richardson, thanks so much for your time. First of all, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm doing well. Training camp in New York. How's uh, how's camp been in the build-up so far to, to a big night on September 23rd on the zone? Uh, training camp been um smooth. Just just doing what I regularly do. I, I stay in the gym, so it's just... just uh, now it's kind of like we have... a. When we when we in camp, we just have a routine and we just lock in a little bit more. But it's kind of like the same thing. I remember seeing a great video with yourself and Eddie Hearn walking around the streets and talking about how you change your life. Even when you do have those difficult days in training camp, do you have to sort of still pinch yourself when, when you think about the life through hard work you've been able to create for yourself, Richardson? Nah, I mean, nah. I feel like um, my dreams, like my dreams and the goals that I got uh, set for myself. This is just like. This is just kind of me getting my foot in the door, but there's a lot more to reach the pinnacle and where I want to get at. So I just feel like when I finally get to that point, when I when I feel like I made it, then I'll probably get like that feeling and want to pinch myself. But right now we just continuously working and basically we just chasing dreams because right now I know this could end at any given moment. So I got to stay focused. What is that dream for you, Richardson? When, when you feel you might have reached that point, what is it for you that you do see in your mind looking to the future? Uh, I see myself um, being a... A legend of the sport, somebody that mastered the craft, mastered the, the science of boxing, the craft of boxing, and um, leaving boxing on the outside, just making sure that my family is set for life and we don't ever have to worry about money. Money's I, I gave boxing my all. And uh, and when you think about you seeing your name on the poster, headlining a show, how does that make you feel as well? Even though it is like you say, only a, a small part of the journey from where you're at right now, but that must be a great feeling for you. No, that's definitely, like I said, that's kind of, it's kind of, this is like the part of the journey that feels like, okay, like now my foot is in the door. You know what I'm saying? To be headlining my first show. He has a great name and and you got to look at it. For me to only be 16 and 0 to be headlining a show versus a, a type of opponent like that, that shows the uh, the pedigree I'm on and uh, um, that's a testimony to my hard work and the skills that I displayed throughout the years in the ring. You mentioned Jose Cepeda. He is the opponent. Only three losses, of course, all at world title level. In terms of the level you're at now, Richardson, in what ways do you see Jose Cepeda as, as the perfect bridge to that world level for you at this time in your career? Yeah, I feel like Jose Cepeda, he's definitely um, he's definitely competed on a world level. So uh, it's different from the opponents that I've, I've been in front of. The, guy, the guys that I've been in front of in the past... I mean, I fought a former world champion. Actually, I fought a guy that actually had a world, a world, world championship in Arjenis Mendez. And Arjenis Mendez, you know, he's been he's been places that 
uh, he fought in world title fights just like Jose Zapata held a world title like just like um, Jose Zapata. So I feel like um, and I fought Arhenis Mendez at eleven to zero, where I was like really green. You know, I'm still I was still green or whatever. And um, now a few fights for later, I feel like I'm more seasoned with a guy like Jose Zapata. You know, a, a veteran and a guy that's known for uh, having power. So um, I think it's it's a step up, but I feel like I feel like even though with Jose Zapata experience, I, I still I still don't feel like he ever been in a, a ring with a guy with the type of skill set and the attributes I possess. We're looking at the current rankings because things are opening up so nicely for you, aren't you? As it stands five with the WBO. I actually just spoke to Kev Rooney at Matrim and you might he said you might not even be aware of this. The WBO NABO belt is also on the line. Did you know that? Oh nah, yeah, I didn't know. I thought I thought it was just a uh, uh... IBF and a WBC belt. I didn't know the WBO belt was online. Yeah, so that's been been sanctioned as well. So that that can only be good news. Yeah, so I'm not really focused on the belts. I'm just focused on uh, on the victory. And I feel like uh, my job is to go out there and dominate Jose Zapata and prove that and show that. If I feel, if I, like, I'm going to say this. If If I am who I believe I am, September 23rd, Jose Zapata should be easy work. Is there any part of you, obviously, you just said there you're not necessarily focused on the belts, but the, the narrative with yourself and Montana Love was building really nicely. Is is there a part of you that is a bit disappointed it's not still Montana? Um, No, because he at the moment I was excited for the fight. We was in camp. I was ready to go out there and do my job and uh, prove that I'm the, I'm the better fighter. And a few weeks from the fight, you know, Montana uh, came up with an injury and he 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 got a, he, he found a way out the fight. So it was on to the next. Montana's not was a guy. I felt like he was a guy that I needed to uh I needed to stamp my to stamp myself with matching. You know, now that I'm signed with Eddie, I felt like Montana was Eddie Eddie guy at 140. So I felt like if I get rid of Montana, everything that he has, all of the every every opportunity he was gonna get or he he had by Eddie was gonna come to me. But I feel like now Eddie uh he sees the potential in me with the with the last two performances I put on um signing with the company and I feel like Eddie is like okay like this kid has potential and, and now he's giving me opportunity so I really don't need Montana I feel like I feel like by by the end of this performance my, I'm gonna be the guy that Montana would need tables are gonna turn and I always knew that was gonna happen from the first day I put my name on that dotted line with Matrim. Well, I'm sure there's so many names you, like in the future you'll have your eye on the likes of T.O. and Matias and Romero. One guy I do want to ask you about is, is your matchroom stablemate, Regis Progray. There's big talk of a fight with Devin Haney in the works. In, in your mind, Richardson, who do you believe wins that fight and how? Um, I believe Devin Haney will win the fight. I believe Devin Haney is the, is the better boxer in the sport of the, in the name of the game is uh, boxing. And I just feel like we looked at uh, Regis Progray when he fought in a, in a world championship fight. In his hometown, he was. That was a, that was a fight where he, that was his moment to shine. That was his moment where he was uh, a, a newly crowned WBC uh, world title, world world champion. That was his first homecoming main event as a world champion. So if there was any adjustments or any tricks he had in his bag, it was going to come out in June. I think he fought June seventeenth or June twenty fourth. One of them dates. Whatever date. Whatever. Dave, that he just for his recent fight, if he could make adjustment or if he was, if he had another level to go to, I felt like he would have showed that that night, and he showed he was limited that night. So I feel like uh, he won't he, he won't be able to compete with Devin Haney when it comes when it comes to skill for skill. His best bet is gonna uh, be his power and him feeling like he's he's a gritty guy and he he can take it and dish it, but 
He uh, Regis Progan talks and say he could dish it, he could take it, but he didn't prove he didn't show none of that when it was when it, when he fought uh, a, a guy on on a two weeks notice on last minute. He he didn't show no grittiness. He didn't show him. He just showed he couldn't make no adjustments and he was just trying to look for a knockout all night. So I feel like Devin is on a different level. And if he don't catch Devin with a big shot, it's easy work for Devin. And what about yourself? If you were to meet Regis, can he not hang with you, Eva Richardson, in your own opinion? Same thing. I feel like the, the same the guy that he fought his last fight, the guy was extremely green, extremely timid. He was he wasn't a guy of he the guy had limited skills and and Regis struggled. I think he I think he actually well, that was a split decision. I feel like if Regis get in front of a guy like me, a sharpshooter like me, and a, a skillful fight like me, I mean, his best bet is to look for a lucky shot. And I've been boxing my whole life, and I never, I never been hurt, and I never been down. God forbid, knock on wood, but that never happened to me in sparring or in a fight. But you know what they say: uh, you never fought a, a puncher like Regis Progre. You never fought a puncher like Zapata. So I guess we'll have to see. But I feel like I'm one of the fights that I could dish it and I could take it. So. We've seen on, on your social media as well, Richardson, that, that Tank's been in and around camp. How uh, how was his presence? What's he like behind the scenes as well? You know, uh, Tank presence is, uh, you know, it's always a, a joy to have Tank in the gym, uh, a, a young talent like him, because, you know, he's extremely skillful. He, he's been, uh, he's uh, did a lot of uh, great numbers in boxing, a lot of uh, big, he had a lot of big events in, in his own in uh, in boxing. So, to be around him is just motivation. Every time I see him, it's just like, all right, this is, I want to get to that level one day. So, and I feel like when you're, when you're actually around something and you could, you could, you could, you could see it, you could feel the presence of what you're trying to obtain. It's kind of like, yeah, like you, you kind of feel like, yeah, like it's here, like it's obtainable, like it can really happen. Cause you know, even with him and when he was getting ready to fight Ryan, I was, I had exclusive access to how he was on fight week, him waking up, him losing weight. We're running together a few days before the fight. The him, the anticipation of the day of the fight, how he is in the whole in the hotel, and just seeing his demeanor and the presence when it gets to that level. And one thing I learned from being around Tank is, it's just when it even boxing is boxing on whatever level it is. It's just about going out there and doing what you do. It's just like another day in the gym. So that's one thing that I really learned. And I feel like this, with this being my first main event. Like me knowing it, me knowing like okay, like I could look at it like oh this is so big, but I seen like Tank fight in a huge event versus Ryan, and I'm like okay, I see how it is on that level. So just put my mindset to a point where it's like stay calm because it's just another day. You know, it's just like boxing in the boxing gym at the end of the day. And the two of you have sparred, right? You've you've had rounds together. Yeah, uh, I I sparred Tank numerous times. Uh, I I don't remember the last time I sparred. I, last time I probably sparred Tank probably was. Maybe like a year and a half ago, almost. I think like almost two, almost like a year and a half ago. We probably last. Easy work for you, yeah. Easy work. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Tank is always great work. Me and Tank is definitely always great work. It's, like I said, two young talents in the in the in the gym pushing each other. So it's great. It's always great to like be in front of a, a fighter like that to to pick their brain and see like what level they on and see if you could, you know, see what mistakes they, they bring out of you and see what mistakes you could bring out of them. Well, that is the saying, Richardson, success breeds success. It's true, though, isn't it? There's a lot of cliches in boxing, but that's one that's definitely true, yeah? Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like uh, the, me being a fighter I am right now, it was because of fighter, being around fighters like, you know, especially a fighter like Shakur Stevenson. I was a guy that I grew up with since, like, a baby. And being around a guy like that, he pushed me to, like, want to be extremely great at the science of hitting and not getting hit. I think that's why uh, 
I am I think he's one of the main reasons like I'm so like very educated in the ring because Shakur was always like a student of the game or always somebody that always was like he didn't really care for the push-ups and the and the and the pull-ups and the and the and the uh and the physical part of 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 like you know fighting. He always was a fighter that was mental. He he knew how to he was always a strategic type of fighter. And I think that's growing up around that, that breeded me to be to like exceed levels quick. Even though even though I start, even though guys that was had more experience than me, I was more skillful, more knowledgeable than them just because of being around other great fighters like Shakur. Just last couple then, Richardson, before I do let you go. Uh, we talked earlier about the dream you have on the big stage for, for yourself and being a world champion, a multi-weight world champion. But in terms of inspiring the next generation as well, how important is that for you? Because when we heard you speak on that walk and talk with Eddie Hearn, you spoke so well. How important is it that, that you can spread your message as well? No, I feel like, uh, like I said, for the, I want to um, inspire the next generation because, like I said, I'm I'm the guy that that uh been through every stage and still is going through every stage to reach that pinnacle. I'm the kid that walked into the boxing gym not knowing nothing about nothing about the sport to the kid that's finding out about tournaments tournaments nationally to saying, okay, I'm gonna go sell candy to get to these tournaments to making it to Olympics. That was another huge uh uh you know a huge goal and a huge accomplishment in uh, my life that I I've made happen to me signing with Males Promotions to me fight fighting my first television fight on on Showtime to me being my first former world champion on Showtime now to me signing with Eddie Hearn and headlining my own show these are all these are like if you're seeing the the the, the level of the progression in my career from like I said nationals Olympics pro debut tell a uh, showtime television fight former world champion fight to headlining fight, headlining uh, so i feel like the kids that's around me that's trying to look up after me or trying to take the same steps that i take they can i want to be the one to inspire them to let them know like look i started how you started and it's possible you just gotta believe yourself and be relentless when it comes to chasing your goals because at the end of the day i believe that we all capable of doing what we set our mind to. Well, Richardson, it's a great story. I'm inspired across the pond by you, my friend, and we can't help uh, but be excited over here at Matchroom to, to help you achieve your dreams. No doubt this is just the start of the journey. Final one from you, September 23rd. What is your final message to Jose Cepeda and how do you win this fight in your mind? My final message is to, to Jose Cepeda. I'm just, uh, I mean, there's nothing, like I said, there's nothing that, uh, I could tell him that it's gonna change. Is that's gonna that he haven't heard or it's gonna change his mind. Uh, hopefully he come at his his best. I'm gonna be at my best, and um, I believe that, like I said again, if I am who I believe I am, I should dominate this fight, and and I believe that possibly get Jose Zapata out of there. But we'll see. We'll see how Zapata comes. We'll see uh, how much respect he has for my power and my and my skill set and abilities in the ring. And we'll see how much respect he and when I get in, he got to make me respect his skills and his abilities in the ring. So we'll see after. We'll see from from that uh, opening bell to the final bell. Well, the story of Richardson Hitchens continues on the zone. Can't wait for this fight. Boxing fans, get on this journey. It's going to be an exciting one. Richardson, thanks so much for your time. Great to catch up. And we'll see you in fight week, my friend. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Well, Scott, great to be back. I do apologise to all our listeners for my 
slightly Sean Dyche-esque voice. Uh, just got back from five days with the boys in Ibiza. And How was it? It was good, but I am struggling a little bit. I tried to think of some of the, <laughs> the carnage she was up to over there. That's for a, uh, another podcast, I reckon. <laughs> but um, no, good to be back. Good to be back in, in Matchroom HQ as well. What a week of boxing. I mean, I remember when I landed from Ibiza, the first thing I did was try and get a bit of signal uh, to find out what on earth was going on in, in the Usyk Dubois fight. And actually, as soon as I landed, it was I think it had been about 30 seconds since that shot that has uh, caused, it's safe to say, a, a little bit of controversy. But I remember saying to my mate, oh my God, Usyk's down, uh, before I quickly realised that he hadn't been counted. But did you watch the fight? And, and what did you make of, of those moments as they unfolded? Yeah, I watched it with my granddad, actually. And my granddad's been someone through my uh, my sort of teenage years where I'd always go around there and watch the big fights. That's nice. Growing up, so um, good to watch a, a big heavyweight world title fight with him. I think as it happened, we both looked at each other and, and thought it was a legit punch. But as Eddie mentioned in his interview with yourself yesterday, Jamie, Usyk does have a bit of a tendency to, I was going to say maybe just drag out a bit of time, but I guess it kind of comes with a bit of experience, he's right? Ju- he's clever. He knows what he's doing. He's just um, so clever at what he does. It's actually an interesting YouTube video, which people should check out. If you just type in something like um, the weaknesses of Alexander Usyk, you'll see him been dropped to the body at least three times in the amateurs. In the amateurs, yeah. So that's, you know, that, that's there for everyone to see. It's been known that, you know, he doesn't necessarily like a body shot. I still thought it was it was okay until maybe the following day, let the dust settle and you watch it again with a different outlook and whatnot. Just, just low. Well, I know Frank Warren's obviously been very vocal on pushing for an appeal, pushing for a rematch. So we wait to see any news on that front. In terms of what is next though, Philip Hergovic, Eddie made it quite clear. We had a sit down here at the office yesterday that there's not going to be any chance of stepping aside to allow a Tyson Fury fight to happen. Philip Hergovic wants his shot at Alexander Usyk. Yeah, he's next in line. I guess the whole Tyson Fury angle is... Is something needs to clearing up. He's obviously fighting in Ghanu. Uh, I've no idea what the rules and regulations are of that exhibition bout, but I'm sure that'd be interesting. Nevertheless, will there be an undisputed fight? If not, then El Animal is is in the door. So you know he's going to get a world title fight back into this year, early next year, either way. And I guess there's been methods to his madness of Southport preparation with Gilles Zhang. And then, of course, Dempsey McKean. So you'd think that's that's what he's thinking in his head is getting himself mentally prepared, used to fighting Southport. So. Exactly that. You know, he's had this this fight in the back of his mind for a number of uh, months, if not years now. And I think there was a line he said with you. You know, he hates Southport, but ultimately he's been practicing for Usyk for for that, for that very reason. Well, one thing I do want to say is when I was in Ibiza, I got a little notification to say new podcast from Matchroom, and I thought, what on earth is this? And I realised producer Scott had gone rogue. Started his own podcast. I thought he'd give me the elbow at one point, but I must say, a dream achieved. You can listen to that now on Apple and Spotify. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. Yeah, it's been something that's been bubbling away in the background for a while, and I think we alluded to the fact on the last pod we're going to be expanding our podcast collection, if you like, and that is the first series of that. So, yeah, it was great to sit down with Darren Barker and look at the fight from a different angle. You know, everyone knows the story of the fight, but maybe not necessarily around it. Obviously, the story of his brother's been documented as well, but... More to have a look at the fight and fight week itself for a different lens and try and get a bit of insight from the man in question. So, yeah, we've got a couple of guests lined up for the, the coming months. You know, Crawler, Bellew, uh, Ryan Burnett as well, which is one I'm looking forward to getting my teeth into. And, yeah, going to be dropping them monthly alongside On The Ground, which is revitalised. Listeners may recall we trialled that concept a while ago, but we're going to be bringing it back on fight weeks with yourself, Jamie, leading the microphone and I'm excited. going rogue somewhat and, and speaking yeah. to people in the room at these press conferences and weigh-ins. Well, I've always thought Steve Bunce does an excellent job of painting the picture. When, when you're not there, 
he does a, he does a really good job of, of making you feel like you are immersing you in the event getting sound bites from absolutely anyone who might be relevant from even from fans all the way up to of course to Eddie Hearn so I think that the idea is to, to really try and immerse the listener into the environment of these press conferences and the weigh-ins and give them a greater idea of the feel and the atmosphere of what does go on behind the scenes so I'm but looking forward to that as long as I'm not hosting the weigh-in again as you will see uh, if you watch the Galawi Fire weigh-in I was thrown in very late notice done a good job a, mate did you enjoy it I, mate I must admit I was nervous nervous I've done live broadcast interviews I've been in the ring interviewing Sonny Edwards on the zone I was by far and away I hit it quite well at the breakfast table, but I was m- more nervous for that than I have been for anything else, I think. I'm not surprised, mate. Well, you anchored the show, right? I yeah. think you've done a really good job. So, um, pat I on enjoyed the back it. for that, mate. I well. enjoyed it. I had a few random uh, fans on Twitter, so I, I send my love to you all. And also, you had your first photo as well. I did. Not to make you go red, but... <laughs> I've gone red. <laughs> on Saturday, a lovely lad uh, leant over the barrier and asked me for a picture. And whether he posted it or not, whether he even had a clue who I was, I don't know, but I will always remember... That moment, I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was like, "Do I clench <laughs> Did you my do the fist? point? Did you do the <laughs> classic like, do point? point? Do I clench my fist? I don't know, but it's all gone to my head, mate. Could Maybe. barely, uh, could barely get into the office this morning. <laughs> Moving up in the world, <laughs> uh, something like that. Something like that. Um, big news coming up in terms of Dublin ticket news as well. What can you tell us, Scott? Yeah, we're just finalising the pricing structure and like seating maps and things like that that go on behind the scenes. And we are going on sale very, very shortly. I think we'll probably have news in the next week or so. And there is talk also of a press conference as well. So just trying to lock in the date for both fighters. Uh, and we'll be back to Dublin for a press conference for the second face-to-face somewhat. Jordan Thompson, I mean, when you look at when opportunity knocks, I think this is probably the perfect example of that. I remember interviewing Jordan in January and I said... But when is realistically, like, what was the plan for you this year? And he said, I want to be a world champion by the end of the year. And I think even at the time, I, th- I was trying to map out in my head, thinking with rankings and mandatories, how is that going to be possible? But here he is, Reactpour, not involved in the purse bid. It falls to Jordan Thompson and step up. Here's your chance, Sam. Sometimes the uh, stars align, right? And it was only a couple of years ago, Jordan Thompson found himself in, you know, promoter difficulties. I think he's probably one of a few that's boxed with the main, say, big three or four, obviously, excluding Boxer, who are fairly new on the team. But, you know, he's been with the Salons, he's been with Frank Warren, finds himself with Matram there. So it kind of feels at home here. He's, he's took a, a bit of a leap out of his comfort zone. He's now training, obviously, with Tony Sims down in Essex. I think maybe getting away from that bubble has, has, has done him a world of good, to be honest. It's probably come a lot sooner than everyone had hoped, but when a world title opportunity knocks and you're a challenger, a voluntary challenger, you've got to just roll the dice. 100%. He's one of them real natural sportsman, athletes, big, strong, athletic, can really punch, good mover, good looking as well, vain, vain geezer, puts Vaseline on his lips before every interview. I know Jordan is a friend of the podcast, so I hope he's, <laughs> I hope he's listening to this and uh, doesn't give me a slap next time I see him, but so excited for Jordan to, to have this opportunity. And he's also been sparring Dempsey McKean for a long camp, a southpaw, maybe has activity on his side. You never know. And we've got Jay um, coming up on the podcast later on, so we'll get his insight. And Absolutely. Yeah, you know, he's been out the ring for a while. So if there ever was a good time to fight for a world title, maybe this is Jordan Thompson's defining moment. Well, tickets are going on sale soon, right? They're going to sale this week. We are currently on Wednesday recording this. By the time the pod comes out, it will be general sale on the Friday. So head down to the OVO Arena, Wembley, on uh, September 30th. 100% Ellie Scottney in action, Chev Clark. And, and while I mentioned Ellie Scottney there, I just wanted to give a, a special message to Scottney and her family. Uh, she recently posted on social media that she had lost her, her late grandmother, Eileen, who was her biggest supporter. And uh, I was very sorry and, and sad to, to hear this news. And I remember I spoke to Ellie when she won her world title on the Live Design broadcast, and she expressed how important it was to dedicate 
this world title win to her grandmother, Rylean. And, and here's a little clip of that. And as I say, our thoughts of everyone at Matchroom are with Ellie and family at this sad time. When you became world champion, who would you dedicate it to? You mentioned your 98-year-old grandmother, Eileen, who I'm sure is watching from home. You said she's your biggest fan, sometimes your biggest critic as well. What does it mean to you to be able to celebrate this moment and give her that belt tomorrow? You know, she's 99 in August, and she always said you've got to finish the collection, so I'll be heading down to hers for a cup and a few digestives and a picture with the belt. December 1984, the Bloomsbury Crest Hotel in central London and my first ever boxing press conference. And this came to mind last week when Jordan Banjo was presenting our coverage of the Galal Yafai press conference in Birmingham. And that's because the first presser I ever went to featured the father of Jordan and his brother Ashley Banjo. Funzo Banjo challenged for the British heavyweight title in 1985, but on the way there he fought Marvis Frazier, the son of the heavyweight legend Joe Frazier, in London. And it was very early on in my career in broadcasting. I was working as a production assistant for the BBC World Service at the time, and the head of sport there thought that I was ready for an opportunity to get out in the field and do some reporting. And the brief for me at that press conference was to get an interview with Joe Frazier. No one else, just Joe. It was only three years since Joe's last fight, so he was still a big deal. And he was in town guiding his son. And I remember being almost frozen with fear when I walked into the hotel. This was in Frank Warren's early days as a promoter. And the conference room had a very different vibe to today's scene. Back then it was all reporters and very few cameras. Almost the opposite of what we see nowadays and at the end of the formal part of the conference I wandered up to the top table and asked Joe for an interview. I was 24 at the time, I looked much younger and he just stared at me and said are you really a reporter? So I told him I was with the BBC that his interview would be heard around the world and he just stepped down gave me his time and he couldn't have been more amenable. And I'd been on a BBC training course which included the do's and don'ts of interviewing and it was pre-digital. Most of the sound recordings back then were done on cassette. And I had this top-of-the-range machine and was told by the course tutor to hold down the pause button while checking the sound level of whoever the interviewee might be. And I did this ahead of the recording with Joe and at the end of the interview he wished me luck, went away to deal with the many other demands on his time and as you can imagine I was absolutely buzzing what a way to start a career on the road an interview with the legend Joe Frazier so I go back to a quiet corner in the lobby of the hotel to listen back to the interview and it was then that I looked down and couldn't believe it the ultimate nightmare the pause button was still pressed down I'd been so nervous so in awe of Frazier, I just started blabbing away after checking his sound level and forgot to release the pause button to start the recording. So I'm sat there like a demented idiot. I kept spooling the tape back and forwards, hoping that Joe's voice would somehow miraculously appear. I'm thinking I can't go back to the sports room with an empty tape. I'll never be trusted on a gig like this again. So I go back to the press conference room and Frazier by now is surrounded by a horde of journalists in what we call a round table interview. And there's no way I can interrupt. So I go back to reception. I just sit there and I'm moping and wondering if that's me done. Will I ever get a chance to do what all those reporters in that room are doing, covering boxing for a living? 
I couldn't bring myself, though, to leave the hotel. I'm thinking, do I interview Frank Warren, Funzo Banjo, whoever? But my brief was Frazier and Joe Frazier only, so there was no point. And after about half an hour, I'm thinking, there's just no choice. Just accept the failure, go back to the office and explain what happened. So I head to the lobby area of the hotel and I'm going past the lifts on the way out. And who stood there but Joe Frazier and his son and a few others. So as you can imagine, I hesitated for a nanosecond and then approached him and said something groveling along the lines of Mr. Frazier, I'm so sorry to trouble you again. Thanks so much for the interview we did earlier, but I'm afraid there was a problem with the recording. And is there any chance we can do it again? I explained it was my first ever interview. I'd made a mistake. I'd be grateful if you just answer a couple of questions again and he let out this belly laugh which I can still hear today and he put this huge arm around my neck and said where do you want to do it son so we go back to the conference suite we re-record the interview and second time around it was an even better piece because first time up the room was so full and noisy Joe's voice which was slurring at the time would have been more difficult to follow so all in all, it could hardly have worked out better for me. Who knows what would have happened otherwise? How long would it have been before I got another chance? And we talk about sliding door moments in our lives. Joe Frazier was literally waiting for the sliding doors of a lift when I barged in on him. And that was the first of many such instances in my career. And by the way, Funzo Banjo wasn't so fortunate. He was beaten on points by Joe's son. Well, John, great to see you. I think you were the first guest on our previous quiz. And I think every time you get a call from myself or Scott to come into the office, you're always a little bit hesitant <laughs> after the last appearance. But great to have you in. And you are the third quiz member of our 12-round Eliminator Challenge of, of Season 3 of Flash Knockdown. How are you, mate? I'm good, man. I'm good, mate. It's good to be back in the um, in the oven. Um, not so hot today, <laughs> it's hot luckily. Here. Um, didn't do too well on the quiz last time, did I? I don't know um, if I was bottom on leaderboard. No, I think there was one or two beneath you in there. Yeah, you've taken part in the counts, I, I, I was one of the, uh, the the pillars holding it up, so it's, it's good to be there. Isn't he looking well, Scott? Very good. Very Tanned. Nashers. Nashers. Beautiful Nashers. Dodgy haircut. I need to put my sunglasses on with them teeth. Let's just talk about yourself, John. There's been a bit of news in the last 24 hours that boxing fans have been licking their lips at the prospect of you fighting Triple G. Gennady yeah. Golovkin, what, what can you tell us? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's all just rumours at the moment, but... It's a, it's a fight I'd love. Um, also, the mention of Mungia. So, listen, two great fights. Um, two, listen, Golovkin's been an unbelievable servant to this sport. And Mungia's uh, more of an up-and-comer, but either way, I'd love to fight the both of them. What would you prefer, do you think, if you if you could choose? Ideally, I'd go Mungia first, then then Triple G to start next year. But, listen, if um, it's... it's you got a strike while Alan's hot in boxing, so I'll take whatever comes first. Canelo, Triple G, or absolutely everyone. What a year that would be. I know. And unfortunately, obviously, you didn't have your hand raised that night, but you proved so much, not just to yourself, but to the world and the type of man and the type of fighter you are. Do you think if there ever was a way to not get a positive result in a fight, especially in a fight like that, that was the way you would do it? Oh, certainly, yeah. I think I, um, I didn't win the fight, but I kind of won the night. I won over a ton of fans out there. Um, and learned a lot about myself. I think it will make me an all-round better fighter moving forward. Yeah, certainly. It's proved proved so much. That was such a such an amazing fight. Everyone was so proud of you, mate. Watching back from home, I actually watched the fight with Chris Lloyd, and the two of us were basically on our feet <laughs> applauding you after that fight, mate. So you did us all proud. Um, Eddie was actually pictured with your old mate Billy Joe Saunders as well recently. 
Is that a fight? I mean, you mentioned McGee, you mentioned Triple G, but somewhere, is that a fight that you're interested in running back? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think he's going to have a, a, a comeback fight in December time, but they're talking about light heavyweight. I've I've tried light heavyweight and I've got no business being there. But um, <laughs> listen, you never know next year. Um, he's going to have a comeback fight. I want to get back out again this year. So, listen, 2024, we could do it somewhere in the middle, 173 or something. Um, a good fight before and um, I'm sure it'll be a good fight again. Sorry if you are hearing a little bit of background noise here, listeners. Our, our resident gamekeeper here at Matchroom HQ, I think, is... Digging up some stones in the background. So ground, groundskeeper Willie's groundskeeper back. Groundskeeper Willie is back. Enjoying the summer the summer weather here in Essex. Um, final question, John, before we move into the quiz, which I know you, you can't wait for. Um, a lot of busy activity in the gym. Jordan Thompson has got a world title fight. Maisie Rose, George Lidard, really active. And, of course, young Jimmy Sainz makes his professional debut. I just want to ask you about Jimmy, because he's been around the gym for as long as I can remember. In my four and a half years at Matchroom, he's always been in and around you guys, sparring, how good and how exciting addition is he to the program? He's very good. He come he he come with us just to um just to take over during lockdown. Really, he couldn't get to his amateur gym, so just uh, his dad is a friend of Tony, so he just said come and train with us, keep fit, and he's really just he's fitted in really well. Um, and he's a great fighter, great little fighter. He's um he's obviously been unlucky with ABAs, but then he got on the GB setup, and then all the amateur politics of taking the middleweight division out of boxing. So it's, um, it's really messed it up for him. But I think he's going to have an exciting career. He's got an all-action style, and I think he's um, a great addition to the gym. And you're going you're gonna to see a champion. Well, I look forward to welcoming, welcoming Jimmy Sainz to the professional ranks. Of course, very soon, John, we do move on now to the business part of this conversation, which is the 12-round Eliminator Quiz. To explain a little bit about it to yourself, I'm going to pass over to my co-host, Producer Scott. Well, John, good luck first and foremost. I hope you're listening to this. So essentially, the 12-round eliminated challenge is to identify one of your previous opponents, or only one. Think of it of a, of a quiz similar to Who Am I? 12 clues or 12 rounds. With each passing round, you lose a point. So you start off with 12 points. With each round that you can pass, if you don't know the answer, it goes down and down and down. So if you get to round 12, for example, and you get the right answer, you get one point. Darren Barker and... I only said Clint Dempsey then. <laughs> Dempsey and McKean are both tied on four points at the minute. So you only get one guess here. So I guess the idea and the logic would be maybe to go deep in the championship rounds. About round six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then maybe throw it out. You do get a bonus lifeline, which Jamie... It's always awful. It's been dropped <laughs> It's been dropped off by our trusty owl. Yeah, we have an owl that flies in the window and drops <laughs> it off. We're just waiting for groundskeeper Willie there to, to release it. As Jamie says, it could be awful, as Darren and... Dempsey have found in the, in the last two episodes, but it could help you. So you, you don't know. It could be random. You can call upon that at any stage. You don't get penalised for using the lifeline. You can use it as and when you want. Okay. That's the rules in a roundabout way. Are you, are you ready to jump in with round number one? Yeah, let's go for it. My professional debut was on a Barry Hearn promoted show in Cardiff. Just remember, John, if you don't know, say next round. Because <laughs> if you say... A random name here. You, you're out on yeah, Neil Parfish. Your, your first name that comes out your mouth is your guess. You know what? I think you might know this already. I feel like I might know it. Yeah. Wow. Well, we'll, we'll go next round. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Okay. I won three titles as a professional. The look in John's eye indicates he's onto something already, which is remarkable considering we're only in round Can two. You know on what titles they no, afraid not. Didn't Canelo make his debut on a Barry Hearn promoted show in Cardiff? <laughs> 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 that might have been one of his brothers. Yeah. <laughs> next question. Go on, next question. Round number three. So this will be for 10 points if you get it right. I have one draw on my record. I feel like it could be there, you know. I will just say, John, Darren and Dempsey both wished they'd gone a little bit earlier. That's true. Really? I'm not trying to entice you into yeah, yeah. doing something Dempsey in particular, risky here. Dempsey in particular, like you could tell that he had it, but he, he played the long game. Yeah. 
yeah. banking the questions to get. So if you get if you get it wrong now, John, you get Neil Park just for just for reference. Yeah. Um, you don't want to do that because no, no one's done that yet. You so could leave HQ one. with nine points if you get this next one. Next no, one. No. Yeah, go on next round. Don't forget you have got that lifeline. The owl's just flown in, so we do have it on hand. <laughs> Send him back. <laughs> next. Get, get, get another worm. <laughs> next question, uh, round number four. I have boxed 102 rounds as a professional. 102, which used to be my favourite checkout in darts. Random little note there. I guess you could equate that into fights. You could start adding up how long they've been professional. Groundskeeper Willie's really going to town on them stones, isn't he? I don't know if it's him or the owl. <laughs> <laughs> the owl's trying to get in. Next one? Yeah, next round. Don't forget, you got that lifeline. Okay, round number five. My last fight is covered extensively in a book called Hats, Hand Wraps and Headaches. So he didn't write the book, but the fight itself is focused in this book called Hats, Hand Wraps and Headaches. Well, we put points now. Eight. So this is round number five. You get eight points. Yeah. The next one, don't forget, they, they do get slightly easier. The next one might it's, start. Got, it ain't got any easier yet. Okay. <laughs> I thought you had it after the first one. I, I did as well. Bit of bluffing there, I think. You know what? Write on your on your notes on your phone now who you think it is, and at the end we'll see if it's the same one. So the next one starts to open up a few more avenues for you, John. Actually, so, so if you get this, don't right, show John, us that. Yeah, you get seven points if you get this right. Well, no, we're still on five. John's not passed yet. All oh, right. Next sorry. one. Yeah, next one. Yeah. Okay, round number six. We shared a card the first time that I boxed in England as a professional. So we was on the same undercard together. Different fights, obviously. The first time this person boxed in England for the first time as a pro. So that might give you a little bit of an indication. I think I really think I've got it. Okay. Do you want to guess though? Do you want your lifeline? You get seven points. You get it right. The lifeline's free of charge. Yep. You can you can you can take the lifeline risk, now. Risk free. Risk free. I don't want to go go out and make zero points. Do you want the lifeline? lifeline? The lifeline will not affect give me the, Yeah, give me the lifeline. All right, one sec. Oh, cool. Here it is. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, over to um, you. Okay. I had a win over George Groves in the amateurs. Uh, yeah, Eamon O'Kane. John Brown has got it. Yeah. Nailed it. Well done, mate. Look, I had this like, genuinely from the start. Eamon O'Kane. He did, he did. Eamon O'Kane. He just showed us his so phone. Like six points. So, John, you, you had that after the first round, pretty much, right? Yeah. Wow. If only you went then. Just, it was just the Cardiff thing that threw me because I wasn't sure if he made his debut in Cardiff. Johnny Ryder, um, final question to you, mate, just before we do wrap up. I believe you're heading north of the border to Glasgow, your old mate Ricky Burns. Um, do you think this will be his, his final farewell? Do you hope it is? Um, I hope he does what keeps him happy. Um, he's been a, a tremendous... Legend. Uh, servant to his sport. Other than my coaches, uh, Colin Lake, uh, Ray Ball and Tony Sims over the years, who I've learnt the most from. Ricky Burns has taught me so much about this game and, and made potentially helped make me the fight I am just from, obviously Tony's done massive amounts for me, but just seeing in the gym what Ricky does has just made us all level up. Absolutely. What a legend of three-weight world champion Ricky Burns in action this weekend against Willie Limond. Thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy your weekend with Ricky and uh, we wish you all the best, mate. Well, we'll see thank you, soon. you for having me. Nice one, John. Man. Well, it's that time of the show we discussed the best things to happen in boxing last week with a couple of shouts from you, the fans. Usually, our trusty host, Jamie Ward, would be in the hot seat, but he's just been called up north on a fighter shoot. So you're left with myself today, producer Scott, to speak to IBF and Ring Magazine, Cruiserweight King, Jai Apatai. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Well, pleasure to have you. It's the first time we've had the chance to, to speak since the recent link-up with... Tasman fighters. I mean, you must be very excited for this stage of your career. 
really excited, man. You know, there's been a couple of setbacks to, uh, to get to this point, but, um, you know, we're here now and I'm, I'm excited for the next few weeks, you know, to come over in England and, uh, you know, put a big show on for the, the English crowd. Well, you mentioned setbacks there. I guess we could jump straight into it. Off the back of that epic Bradis fight, you had uh, a draw operation or two. The draw was completely shattered. How has that healed over the last year since that fight? Um, yeah, the draw's been good for quite a while now, to be honest. It's, um, you know, we, we don't even think about it anymore in camp or anything like that. It's not a problem or an issue to us. The, the doctors told us that the, the jaw was going to be stronger when it healed up. So, you know, we're, we're all good. We've been back sparring. And, but the other setbacks, you know, like just with the fight pullouts and stuff like that, um, you know, I think we've prepared for about four fights and then, you know, or yeah. maybe even five and then, you know, they've, they've, uh, haven't worked out, but, um, in saying that it's still been good, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, in a positive side, we've, we've had multiple training camps and we've, we've had good sparring and we've gotten fitter and stronger and we, we've kept our foot on the throttle. So I'm, I'm excited to get back in the ring. You know, I feel like I've had a lot of growth since the, uh, the breeders fight and I'm, you know, I really want to show it. And you've picked a, a very decent location, London and the UK, the fight fans over here, very passionate, very knowledgeable. How much do you know about your opponent, Jordan Thompson, going into September 30? Um, I've just seen, you know, a, a few clips of him on the internet, the ones that are flying around and stuff like that. You know, obviously he's got a lot of range and he's very tall. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, you know, I'm, I'm ready for whatever happens. I'm, wherever this fight wants to go, I'm ready for it. So... I'm excited to show the crowd and I'm excited to, I, I really want to build a fan base in, uh, you know, England because, you know, they're, they're good fans and they, they love their boxing and, you know, I'm really looking forward to earning their respect. Well, I've got a guest with me. It's Mr. Eddie Hearns just walked in, Match from HQ. Hey, here he is. How you doing? What's going on? How you doing? Yeah, I'm going good, man. What's up? We're looking forward to you finally getting back in the ring. I'm excited to, man. I'm so, I'm so happy we found someone that will actually fight you. Yeah. I mean, it's been yeah. a headache, hasn't it? Yeah, but you know how hard you work to get a shot at the world title. It's unbelievable. All these, I mean, it's flattering to you, really, that all these guys have been given the opportunity to fight you and yet, yet wouldn't. So, you know, uh, you've got, you yes. got a tough fight. This guy, you know, this guy's never boxed at your level before, but. He's hungry. He can punch. He's a big cruiser. It's, it's actually a great fight between two two really good athletes, you know, on a big stage. Yeah, I agree. But again, like I'm excited for it, man. The, the sort of mindset and the the animal I had to turn into to win the world title, you know, I'm expecting that from him. So, you know, I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not taking anything lightly. I'm I'm coming for war. Not no longer the hunt. No longer the hunter. Now the hunted. They're not hunting me. I got a big flag saying let's fight. There's no hunting here. Well, it's going to be a great night, mate, and we look forward to seeing you in London in a couple of weeks. I look forward to getting there, man. I'll meet you there. Good to see you, mate. Take care. Well, that was the the beauty of being a, a match from HQ. You never know who's going to come in uh, <laughs> to the office. We'll just pick up where we left off. I mean, come through September 30, and no doubt your mind will be straight away on the other champions in the division. We've got Chris Billum Smith, Badu Jack, and Arsen Gulamarian as well. Are those those three names you'd be want, willing to jump in with straight away? One hundred percent. I'd I'd love to fight them after this fight if I could. But um, I think I got a, that rematch with Breeders. Um, 
you know, we'll, we'll get that out of the way. Like, I'm, I'm taking that fight. You know, I, I still believe Brutus is one of the hardest fights in the division. You know, he's, he's a good fighter and he's tough as nails. So, we, we've got, um, we'll get that one done. And then, you know, I, I really want to fight for more belts. I want to I want to win them more. I want to unify the division. Well, it's time to move on to the best thing that happened in boxing last week and a couple of shouts from our fans that we'll dissect now. So, the first shout is from... Uh, gentleman called Jamie Shields. He says, take away the low blow incident. Alexander Usyk battered Daniel Dubois for every round. He needs to fight Fury next. If you were in Daniel Dubois' shoes, would you feel hard done by, by that shot he landed? No, you know, there's grey areas in every sport. It is what it is, but yeah, he ended up getting stopped anyway, you know, so I feel like he sort of lost the leg to stand on. If it would have went to the decision and he didn't get the decision, it could have been different. But you know, everyone sees it different ways. Talking yeah. of the heavy heavyweight mix, have you have you strategized and, and spoke to the team? Is that a longer term aim in the coming years for yourself to to jump up? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's something that we've we've spoke about amongst the team. But um, you know, we we still got a lot of boxes to tick as a cruiserweight first. You know what I mean? That, that's a that's a sort of Thing further down the track when it happens it happens but you know i'm i'm fit i'm strong and i'm i'm make cruise away very easily you know especially lately that we've just been living in the gym so you know it's not something that i'm in a rush to do but you never know what the future holds you know what i mean a year ago like you know a year ago from uh from now i, I thought this year was going to be a completely different so you never know what could happen yeah, for sure. And the last shout this week is from someone called Triple B Bagel. This was quite topical in the UK, but I'm going to spin it to have a bit of relevance to yourself. So there was a, a football game at the weekend between Manchester City and Sheffield United. I don't know if you're a football fan, but uh, Erling Haaland scored and a gentleman from the Manchester City fan um, section jumped on the pitch and kissed Erling Haaland. And it transpired, the, the, the person who'd done that was former WBO world lightweight champion Terry Flanagan. So what I was going to say is, on a football sort of uh, twist, I believe you're related to Tim Cahill, of, of all people, the former Everton and Australian midfielder. You want to just talk to us about that? And are you a, a football fan yourself? To be honest, I don't watch too much uh, football. Um, you know, we call it soccer over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, nah, Tim Cahill, he, he's a distant cousin, um, you know, I haven't, I'm not too close with him that well, but um, I, I sort of met him a few times when I was younger and stuff. But yeah, man, he's uh, he's been a sort of uh, a more like he's someone that we looked up to as a as a younger kid. You know what I mean? He was um, the sort of levels he made a sport. You know, it was something that our sort of parents were like, you know, he can do it. Why, you know, you can make you know your own dreams come true. So. You know, he's led by example, so shout out to Tim. Yeah, and he obviously had the famous celebration where he would run to the corner flag and let his hands go yeah. and, and shadow box. So uh, it, it comes back nicely into the family sort of tree there. Well, appreciate your time, mate. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing you in the UK in uh, in two weeks, I think, in coming over. So best of uh, luck in the rest of your training camp. And uh, well, yeah, we'll see you on the ground here in the UK very shortly, ahead of a, a huge night of boxing live on the zone, September the 30th. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Well, we come to the part of the show now called Food Fight. Not the best name in the world. I'm sitting in the office 
of Mr. Jamie Moore here today at the VIP gym in Ashley. Jamie, how are you, mate? First I'm of all, all right, Sajay, you? Uh, I'm very well, mate. Busy week for you. Busy time as always in the gym. We're here for a media workout today. You've got young Cameron Vuong new in the gym, Akib Fiaz preparing for a big fight, Chantel Cameron, Jack Cattrall and Dave Allen this weekend. A lot going on. Yeah, yeah, loads going on, mate. It's been really busy. Um, but good busy, you know, like, I, I love this game. It's just being around fighters, especially the, the atmosphere in the gym's great. Um, I said it before, you know, Nige, the lunatic, creates a lot of that, which is great. And uh, and everyone, all the fighters in the gym, they're all nice people, good people, good to be around. So it's just a pleasure to come and work here every day. So when everyone's in and got fights sort of up around each other, the atmosphere is always that little bit much better. And, uh, and everyone's bouncing off each other, you know, encouraging each other, training alongside each other, so it's brilliant. Well, we followed your, your brilliant career, Jamie, when you were a fighter. We follow your passionate journey as a trainer. And now we're interested to find a little bit about your interests away from the boxing gym with this section of the podcast. Like I say, it's called Food Fight. Essentially, for those who haven't listened to the first three episodes of the series, dream dinner party. But there are some elements of criteria. The only thing you do have to remember is it can be past or present, those who are with us, those who are no longer with us. The first one is one dream guest from the world of boxing could be anyone and why. You see, I don't want to go, see, my, my heroes growing up in boxing were Mike Tyson and Nigel Benn. But I don't want to go sort of one of them cliche ones. Do you know what I mean? So right. let's, in fact, let's make it interesting. Let's try and think of someone who'd make it like a bit well, Nigel, I think Nigel Benn would make it a bit of a party. <laughs> he would have back in the day. <laughs> he, might not, he might not do nowadays, but uh, do you know what would be funny? Someone like that, Ricardo Mayorga, okay. used to be WBC champion, used to weigh in, like eating pizza and drinking beer and all that. It's just absolutely crazy. Probably one lower down than Nigel Travis in terms of crazy, but still absolutely off his box. So... I'm going to try and, if we're going to pick three people, I'm going to try and get a balance. I think you like four in total, including, oh, is it four? including yourself. All yeah. right, yeah, so another three people. So I'm going to try and get the, like the good, the bad, and the ugly sort of thing. Right, got you. So he'll be sort of either the bad or the ugly. So So he's guest number one. R Ricardo Miyagi. If anyone doesn't know him, just Google pictures of him weighing in and he's like smoking cigars and eating pizza and drinking beer and stuff. He was nuts. Okay. Well, joining Ricardo at the table, we need an actor or actress from the film or TV world. What's your favourite film, Jamie? Favourite film is Back to the Future. Okay. So that's my ringtone on my phone. So <laughs> when it goes off, everyone's like, what the fuck's that? You know what I mean? Love it. Um, it's just nostalgic, you know, from back when I was, when I was a kid. Um, if we're going to class him as an actor because he's in some, like, series and stuff. Yeah, that works. Films, I'm going to bring Ricky Gervais. Oh, wow. Because Afterlife is the funniest thing I've ever seen. I love Derek. I love his stand-up stuff, but but extras, the office, so ah, mate, honestly, just amazing, amazing comedian. But I love some of the stuff he's been in in, in documentaries and in the series and stuff. So I'll bring Ricky Gervais for the comedy value. Have you met Ricky? No, I've never met him. Never. No, for the bucket list. Oh, definitely, because like, you know, we're fortunate enough to be around so many people you see on TV and stuff like that, and you, s you sort of get it all blends in now, doesn't it? It doesn't doesn't really stand out, but. If there's one person who would get a bit starstruck by it, it'd be him, probably. Do you think Ricky and... Who's, what was the first guest's name again? I forgot his name. Ricardo, Ricardo. Is Rick, Ricardo and Ricky getting on, do you think, around the table? Uh, I think what would happen was 
Ricky Gervais would start taking the piss out of him and Ricardo Miagra would just flip and start throwing <laughs> tables and stuff like that, yeah. Okay, guest number three. One musician or singer from the world of music and why? What sort um, of music do you like, Jay? Do you know I like everything, Jay, to be honest? Like, I'm on about every single different type of music, so it, I haven't even got, like, a, a bracket where I could go that type of person. To be honest, if I was going to bring someone... Me and me and my son, every time we go watching United, home and away, every everywhere we're driving, we always have Oasis on, which is mad, really, because we're going watching United, and they're big City fans. Um, so, but Liam Gallagher's another one who's up the wall in it. So, uh, so, and I've never met him actually either. But, um, but well, let's bring say what for for me for me son in honour of my son and his love of Oasis, I'm gonna bring Liam Gallagher. Well, as this this lineup's getting good, but we're only just getting started because the next one. I feel sorry for Ricky Gervais though, because <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo Mayaga and Liam Gallagher are gonna overwhelm him. You yeah. know what I mean, I think he'll be out of his depth for a little <laughs> bit. Um, the final one is one figure from history from any walk of life, and this could be a personal guest to you from past or present, or anyone in particular, a historical figure, or like like I say, a, a family member, or or someone you'd like to have round to have a bit of a catch up with. Oh. Do you know what? If Tough I could, question. If then. I could have a yeah, if I could have a catch up with someone right this right in this moment in time, that'd be him, Oliver. You're gonna get me upset now. That is a beautiful picture for that's the, for the listeners. Picture. I'm trying to paint a bit of a, of a picture here. There's a beautiful collage on on Jamie's wall of Oliver Harrison. It says "Sleep Tight, Boss" at the top, and I think there's a lovely poem as well it's underneath. The, it's the lyrics from. Um, Three Little Birds. Oh, I see, yeah. So it's his favourite song. Um, but, I, you know, I've just invited Oliver to a to a dinner party, <laughs> which I know he would go, what the fuck have you invited yeah. me to this for? And he'd definitely say, listen, I'm going to the toilet and you won't see him again. He'd just backdoor it. But, um, but just for the fact that I'd be able to sit down with him for 20 minutes and have a chat with him again, yeah. Just catch up about what do you think you catch up on? Just, just everything that's everything that's been going on and everything yeah. what's happened since he's not been here and just like we used to, just sit down and talk boxing for for an hour and just about life and stuff like that. It'd be beautiful. When you had that moment, Jay, in the ring in Dublin, did it? Did he come into your mind when you were always, celebrating that? Yeah, always. And even the little ones, I remind myself a lot of him in every aspect, every single day in the gym because I because the words what I say and the way I deliver him, because I learnt so much off him, I do it in the same way. And I can't help it. It's just the it's just the way I've been taught. So so I just do what I've been taught. And so which I'm thankful of because every single day I get to be reminded of him. You know what I mean? So and when stuff like what happens in Dublin happens and I know how much, how happy would have been for us, then it, it's really hard. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. oh, Life's cruel, man. Life's yeah. cruel. And um, listen, it comes to us all, doesn't it? But, but God, that man deserves so many more years. Mm. But it gives you strength, do you feel? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Get that, that determination, not, not knowing how proud he would be. You know, Lerone, his son, is here with us now, so that determination to bring out the best in him and try my best to do what I know Oliver would have done with him is is 
it is a sort of enough encouragement to be able to come in here on my own just with him. So being in a position where we've got so many good fighters who who are coming here training and want to come for for then for his son to be around them people and being able to learn not just off the stuff I've learned but off those people and their attributes and so I'm glad you know I want him here but I'm glad that I'm in a position to look after his son because I told him I would yeah so yeah I'm going to uh, I'm going to shake your hand on on the back of that one Jay uh, thanks so much for sharing some of, of your memories there one final question is you're the chef at this dinner party oh god so what's on the menu? No, no one's eating <laughs> well here. <laughs> um, Much of a chef or not really? No, mate, not really. So my missus will tell you, I cook the best omelette you'll ever eat. That's a cop out, Jamie. Right. So An no, omelette? No, 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 no. I'll what's it? Oh, go on, I'll sorry. Go on. So my omelettes are definitely the best. but And, it, and it's like, I have an omelette every day for my dinner. That's like, it's, I'm a creature of habit. But my missus works with kids in care. So, and... She's always cooked the tea, yeah? And you know what? Women moan notoriously, don't they? Like, why do you never cook me tea? So, which is it's a valid question. I'm going to warm my hands up, you know? But when she's in work, so she does two sleeps a week where she's not there, and she's done it for years, so I'm, I'm on my own with the kids. So we've always... She goes, why are you always getting takeaway or, you know, stuff when, when I'm not in? Cook the kids the tea. So over the years, I have started to cook, and I can cook a steak like absolutely spot on. Her grievances: Why the fuck do you never cook me a steak? But I'm always saying, "Well, I only cook steak when you're not here, <laughs> so it doesn't really <laughs> work like that." But um, I do feel bad actually. Now, think I, I, as I was actually saying that, I thought, "You lazy bastard! Why are you not cooking?" The pressure's going to be on if I'm she gonna, hears this as well. Colleen, I promise you, I'm going to cut you a steak. This so week. a steak dinner for the dinner party, I guess, as well. Before I go, we, we go away next Tuesday. Before we go, I'm going to cook her a steak. So for Ricardo, Ricky, Liam they're on, Gallagher. They're on steak and broccoli with sweet potato fries. And the great legend, Oliver Harrison, as well. Jamie, that is a, a dinner party I think anyone would be lucky to attend. Nah, thank uh, you. Thanks for your time today, mate. Absolute yeah. legend. That was Food Fight. Well, thanks, as always, for listening to Flash Knockdown. Thanks to producer Scott and our guests this week, Richardson Hitchens, Jamie Moore, Mike Costello, John Ryder, and Jai Opataya. Scott, I just realised before we do go, we forgot to talk about this Saturday. That wasn't intentional. Uh, you <laughs> bang beefy. We're a new, neutral podcast. We I are. Think, I think it's good to talk about other boxing. Yeah, we've got. it's a sport at the end of the day, and yeah. whether you have your own interests or not, um, we're all interested in what's going on in, in the sport we love, and Eubank Beefy is a cracker. What is your final prediction? I think Liam Smith will win again by late stoppage. I think he'd just bully Eubank, and I think that will be in Eubank's head mentally. It must be quite hard to take, because he got splattered last time, let's be honest. And Liam Smith is a tough, tough bloke. And he's underrated as well, you know. He's very underrated. Very underrated. I think I favour Liam on points this time. Uh, I think that would be my bet if I was to have one, and if I was a, a betting man, I would say... Liam Smith, Will, blimey, my voice is gone. I did mention earlier that I'd be... Good job of wrapping up.